Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 94 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 154 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AW continues. And last night was AW Dynamite going down live from the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington. And this was the first time AW is at the Pacific Northwest and the Seattle market, and this crowd was absolutely hot but to celebrate the four-year anniversary of AEW we got a brand new set brand new graphics a brand new look for the show and I have to say I love it I love the new stage bye-bye tunnels unfortunately but I love the big bright colors and the commentary table looks professional as fuck Excalibur Tony Schiavone and Taz look great in terms of the setting and how they're going to deliver the call every Wednesday in style so all in all I love the upgrades more to come on Rampage this Friday going down live from Portland Oregon followed by Battle of the Belts 5 which will happen immediately after Rampage on TNT as well. Plus, AEW is West Coast swinging for a bit we got a big show next week at the Forum in LA a hot car top to bottom, which I'll get to momentarily. But let's talk about last night's show, which kicked off with Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. And this match was a lot of fun. The crowd absolutely adored Ricky Starks. And Jericho's flipping the fans the bird to get under Ricky Starks' skin. Popped him in the face one time via a slap. But Ricky Starks fights back with punches in the corner, followed by his patented rope walk with so much swag and style. He poses and walks, poses and walks, lays out Jericho with the punch. But... We got Matt Menard causing trouble by tripping Ricky Starks. That allows Jericho to land a suplex on the Florida Starks as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back, and Jericho is dominating the action throughout the break, but Starks makes a fiery comeback with a series of lariats and a lag bomb on Jericho for two. Jericho goes for a lion salt, but Ricky Starks gets the knees up, and he proceeds to go for a moonsault of his own, but he rolls through. Jericho hits a cold breaker, but Ricky is able to block the Judas effect, but in doing so... He goes to the Rochambeau. Jericho blocks that and turns it into a walls of Jericho. And it is cinched in tight. Ricky's fighting to grab the ropes. And behind the referee's back, Mike Menard delivers a bat shot to the head of Ricky Starks. Ricky's knocked out. And we think, oh, God, this is going to end so badly for Ricky. He's going to go to sleep. Aubrey raises his hands a couple of times. He finds the strength to hold on and break the hold, thankfully, by reversing the walls. Then we have a great comeback by Ricky who goes for a roll-up on Jericho. Menard and Parker are causing trouble on the apron. Ricky Starks knocks them both down, and he hits the spear on Jericho to pick up the win. And this is by far the biggest win of Ricky Starks' career. The fans are going crazy, but we get heat immediately. Jericho, Jake Hager, Daniel Garcia, Menard, Parker. We got Anna Jay and Ty Conti out there, and they're causing trouble until Action Andretti makes his cameo appearance burnt facing all following that fireball attack a few weeks ago by Jericho and he has a steel chair in hand whooping ass accordingly to Hager and company but that damn Ty Conti Ty Mello is going to deliver a low blow to Action Andretti and the beatdown is on and poor Ricky Starks is powerbombed through a table on the outside by Jake Hager and for some reason Jericho and company had to get their heat back and no Jericho has lost two matches back to back on TV via a massive upset and this match to Ricky Starks last night and let's go back in time to the final battle pay-per-view for Ring of Honor. He lost the title to Claudio Casanoli. So he's been through a losing streak as of late. But on this night in Seattle, 
the first Dynamite of 2023. This was Ricky Starks' moment to really celebrate this victory. By far the biggest of his career so far. He bounced back after losing to MJF for the AEW World Championship in the Dynamite Diamond Ring back at Winter is Coming a few weeks ago. And to beat Jericho, a certified GOAT in this industry, it should have meant more in terms of letting Ricky celebrate with the people. Let him truly marinate on this win and then get your heat next week. Don't do it back to back. It just felt like it was a rushed segment to get Jericho his heat back. And I wasn't a fan of it. And it kind of diluted Ricky's win because now we think about the heat of it all and not Ricky beating one of the greatest to ever do it in this industry. A multi-time world champion he defeated clean as a sheet. And he can't even celebrate because we got to get heat for reasons. And I felt as if it was something that could have been done next week in LA, but no, let's do it tonight and kind of water down Ricky's victory over one of the greatest to ever do it in Chris Jericho. But otherwise, this is a very fun way to kick off the show with the crowd being hot for Jericho and Starks from start to finish. Next up is an interview involving Tony Schiavone alongside Hangman Adam Page regarding his health status next week for a proposed match against John Moxley at the Forum in LA. And despite Page participating in a lot of brawls with Moxley over the past few weeks, he is not clear to compete as of yet, but he's going to take a red eye back to Virginia go through some more scans and tests. If he's cleared by tomorrow, he'll be ready to go next Wednesday against Mox at the Forum in LA. And he is going to, quote, knock Moxley's dick in the dirt. The fans pop at that line and that brings out Mox through the crowd and in the ring. And we have some technical difficulties because his mic is not working and the fans chant, we can't hear you. As he tells Paige, I'm tired of the violins and the sympathy, the get well wishes, the get well cars and flowers. This is not a candlelight visual for you because you got knocked out one time. I've been knocked down and knocked out my entire career. The mouths I put my body through, the pain I've endured, and you cry about getting knocked out one time by me? That makes you weak. That makes me think you're not built for this. And eventually the fans hear this promo and Mox is a little irritated when the mic wasn't working, but he got in the groove by shutting out the Seahawks and he was over with the people. And Hangman Page just simply says, I didn't like how you called me out. That's my issue. That you think I'm weak for getting knocked out. But I'm here to let you know that I got your number. I got rounds lined up for you in the chamber for next week. And Mox is saucy. He wants to beat this man up. He cannot, though. And he walks away. And the match is set for next Wednesday. This is going to be a fantastic battle between two former AEW world champions. And they're going to absolutely tear the house down at the forum next week. And I cannot wait to see it. Hopefully everything goes well. There's no freak accidents. And we can get a clean finish this time around. Next up is the acclaimed versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And Max Caster has more shots for Karen Jarrett, for Jeff Jarrett, for Dixie Carter, for TNA as an organization. And I got my life. Caster is the best right now in the groove, throwing shade left and right. This was an all right match for the title. Great heat for the acclaimed as it went after Jarrett and Lethal early. And Max Caster is a goddamn troll doing the signature Kurt Angle turn and bounce. Followed by an ankle locked Jay Lethal. Bowens gets the high tag and he lands Scissorby Timbers on Lethal. And then Jeff Jarrett gets involved as well and he eats a Scissorby Timbers as well. We got a three way sister party with Daddy Ass himself, Billy Gunn with the Fargo Strut to boot. But eventually we got some shenanigans at ringside and he 
as in Billy Gunn is ejected but getting caught by the referee as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back and Lethal and Jared are working over Bowens until... Bowens fights back and lands a back suplex on Jeff Jarrett. Cassidy gets a hot tag and he cleans house by smacking Jared with the backhand and wiping out Lethal with a dive on the outside. Lethal and Jared eventually regain control by landing an assisted backdrop slam on Bowens for a near fall. From there, Lethal is going to lock in a figure four on Bowens. Singh is going to send Caster into the still steps on the outside as referee ejects him from ringside and a host of referees are there to escort Singh to the back. And while this is happening, Bowens avoids lethal injection by Jay Lethal, but we have an assist from Jeff Jarrett who hits a stroke on Bowens, and Lethal goes for the cover. Bowens gets his foot on the ropes, but Sanjay Dutt knocks off the foot as referee counts one, two, three, and this crowd goes silent. They are stunned at this outcome. You do hear the booze coming in, delayed style, because they cannot believe that Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal won the AEW World Tag Team titles, or so we thought, as Aubrey Edwards and the entire referee team saw this bullshit unfold and Jared tried to bully Aubrey getting on her face saying how dare you rat me out and she lets the main referee know listen this was some bullshit you start the match and it's back on and after a roll-up attempt by Lethal to Bowens he uses his feet for leverage but Caster knocks his feet off the ropes and Bowens rolls up Jay Lethal for the victory to retain the AEW World Tag Team titles he acclaimed Get away with the victory, thank God, because that initial outcome of Jared and Letha winning, oh, hell no. I was not pleased whatsoever, but we're going to run it back tomorrow night at Battle of the Belts 5 right after Rampage on TNT. It will be a no-holes-barred rematch between Jared and Letha versus the acclaimed for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Should be a lot of fun tomorrow night in Portland, Oregon, but thank God this is a fake out that kept the acclaimed as champions on this fair night in Seattle, Washington. Next up is the return of the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, in his hometown, home market of Seattle versus Tony Nese. Tony Nese gets the jump on Danielson immediately lands a running knee strike in the corner for a very close near fall, but Danielson fights back with chops and kicks in the corner a moonsault, and Tony Nese goes for another running knee. He misses, and Danielson lands the Busaku knee on Nese, kicks his fucking head in, locks in a regal stretch to get the victory fairly decisively. The crowd absolutely loves Brian Danielson, and rightfully so. This crowd is amazing. He gets on the mic. He wants to fight some more. He calls out the champ. MJF and Mr. Bullberry himself comes out and he antagonizes the Seattle crowd. He claims that if Dean Malenko and Landstrom had a love child, it would have more charisma than Brian Danielson, which is saying a hell of a lot at this point. And he just goes on and on about how Danielson is not championship material, not a real professional wrestler. He's a mark for himself, but he's willing to give Danielson some leeway after talking about his mom meeting with the goat to produce him and that leads to Danielson making your mama joke about MJF's mama getting around and the fans are all into this but this comes down to Danielson being the next in line for the AEW World Championship and he will have a match on Dynamite every week between now and February 8th and if he wins all of these matches he will secure a shot at MJF at Revolution in a couple of months time in San Fran at the Chase Center in California. And Danielson says, if I go through all this shit and I win, then I get to pick the step for our match for that championship that you have around your waist. And the suggestion is he wants to face MJF one-on-one in an Ironman match for one hour in the main event of Revolution 
in March because he thinks MJF is not the best wrestler on the planet. He thinks he doesn't have the cardio, the footwork, the stamina to last. He wants to expose him as a fraud. And MJF says, God damn it, I'm game to prove you wrong that I am truly the best in the world at what I do. And I love it. So I cannot wait to see this match happen for the AEW World Championship in a couple of months time at Revolution. I kind of wanted Danielson to have a bit more of a flashier match in his hometown. But next week is going to be electric at the Forum in LA as he will face for the first time ever, Konosuke Tateshka and my my God, what a match that is going to be. That might be high key, a match of the year candidate on television if all goes according to plan. Next up is Swerve Strickland versus Zara Fox. And this match was exhilarating in terms of athleticism and agility. Both men countering backflips and moonsaults on the outside. We have Zara Fox hitting a pump kick on Swerve, followed by Moonsault on the outside. We got distractions courtesy of Parker Bordeaux and a tattooed face man at ringside. And that allows Swerve to deliver a nasty pump kick of his own to A.R. Fox as we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break. We come back and A.R. Fox is going to fight back with a kip-up in Suguri. He goes for a somersault cutter, but Swerve counters with a German suplex, a flatliner for a near fall. Swerve is going to get hit with a short cutter and iconoclasm into another cutter, followed by a beautiful 450 splash by A.R. Fox to Swerve for a very close near fall. At one point, we have Swerve and Fox on the top rope. Parker is going to slide Swerve some kind of weapon, and he's going to knock out Fox and land an absolutely nasty Death Valley driver on the hardest part of the ring. You guessed it, the ring apron goes up top. He's a Swerve stomp on Fox for the win. A great victory for Swerve, who has presence for days in his hometown of Seattle, Washington by way of Tacoma, but still he's a hometown favorite who was over last night with so much swag and presence today. And this match at Fox was a true treat as both guys are talented in the ring as high flyers that can give people a show every single night. Next up is some shade being thrown backstage courtesy of Soraya and Tony Storm. We got a Kurashita sitting beside Soraya because, you know, she wants to be in this tag team match with Soraya versus Dr. Bear Baker, DMD, and the AEW Women's World Champion, Jamie Hayter, and Renee Paquette's leading the interview. And Soraya's running through Tony Storm and Okura Shida's qualifications. Then she says this decision is a no-brainer, and she immediately picks Tony Storm as her Mr. Tag Team partner. And Okura Shida's face was like, bitch, what the fuck? She was offended, and I got my life off of Shida's facial expressions. She was like, why did you waste my mother? fucking time and I sense a hill turn coming and I'm here for hill Sheeta after what she endured last night and this is a way to also quell expectations regarding who was not going to be the mystery partner for Soraya and is not going to be Mercedes Renato aka Mercedes Monet aka Sasha Banks and she debuted at Wrestle Kingdom yesterday looking great. She has a match against Kyrie stateside next month. And I expect her to make noise across the industry for months to come. Will she be a part of AEW one day? I do not know. But I feel as if she's trying to knock some things off her bucket list. And stardom is the first step towards that to kick off her 2023. It will not be at the Forum in LA. But crazier things have happened. And it could be a surprise next Wednesday if 
Tony Khan sees fit. Don't hold me to that. Just some conjecture on my part. But we'll see how it all plays out in the forum next Wednesday on TBS. Next up is the TBS champion Jay Cargill and Wet Velvet versus Sky Blue and Kara Hogan. And I'm going to keep it real. This was all about the tension simmering between Wet Velvet and Jay Cargill. Now, I thought the baddies were united forever. There was going to be no beef, but I'm kind of happy that Jade and Red Velvet have restarted their beef because I love their feud. There's a forever feud element to what they do in the ring together, and I love it. And Kara Hogan tried to roll up Jade for the closest of near falls, but she gets dropped with a pump kick. One, two, three. Jade wins, and Red Velvet's like, good for you. Even though I jumped off this apron and almost cost you the win. Great. Yay, team. The tension is great. I cannot wait to see Jade versus Velvet for the TBS championship very soon. Until then, Jade faces off against Sky Blue for the championship tomorrow night. A battle of the belts five should be a quick win for Jade, as I assume Red Velvet will also confront Jade during and or after the match because I got a feeling we're going to revisit Batty versus Batty very, very soon on a dynamite near you. And now it is time for our main event featuring Samoa Joe, the TNT and Ring of Honor television champion versus Darby Allen with the TNT championship at stake. And Samoa Joe is the king of television as he is going to go after Nick Wayne, the son of the late great buddy Wayne. And Darby Allen wipes out Joe with a dive on the outside and he proceeds to beat up on Samoa Joe with his skateboard. They're fighting up the ramp. And as you're fighting on the main stage, Darby is going to jump on his skateboard and land on Samoa Joe's back for good measure works over Joe some more that introduces a ladder to the main stage and he's going to deliver a fucking dive off the ladder tweaks his knees fighting Joe Joe slams Darby Allen against the ring steps as we go to our final picture picture commercial break we come back and Joe is going to slam Darby into the ring post violently Darby's body goes flying erratically on the floor and Joe is just a beast dominating this match and the fans are rallying behind their hometown guy Darby Allen. Darby Allen is trying to come through with a comeback but Joe cuts him off at every turn by landing a double knee breaker on Allen in a very cool spot. Joe lands a running set time before going for a half crab. Joe goes to the muscle buster but Allen is going to avoid that. Gets a roll up on Samoa Joe. Joe counters into the rear naked choke and Allen is going to counter that into a pin attempt for another near fall. Samoa Joe is going to rip the top turnbuckle pad off and expose the buckle itself but in doing so Darby is going to go for another flip over stunner but in doing so Samoa Joe locks in a coquina clutch once more and Darby Allen is fighting relentlessly to get out of this hold and he's gonna beat his chest like his hero Sting Uncle Sting who gave him a great pep talk last week on Rampage prior to this championship match and he's gonna send Joe headfirst into the exposed turnbuckle land a cold red and two coffin drops to the back of Joe and to the front to win the TNT Championship for a second time. And these fans are going crazy. They're happy for their hometown guy. We got a confetti celebration party in the ring. And Sting comes through to hug up on Darby because that's his guy. And I still get chills from two years ago when Sting appeared in Jacksonville at Winter is Coming. And he stared down Darby saying, I see something in you. I see me from 30 years ago. And you got what it takes to be one of the very best in this industry. And you see it last night, that respect, that love, and that brotherhood on full display. And the fans ate it up. Great way to wrap up the first Dynamite. 2023 at the top of the hour. All in all, this was a very fun show. I love the upgrade in terms of the look of Dynamite as we enter year four. 
here's hoping for more stability and a bit more looseness in terms of just having fun again and being that cool promotion that draws fans in because I live for electric crowds that give you so much energy and heat in the best possible way and traveling to new markets like Seattle is the first step towards that the west coast swing is going to help as well over the next few weeks in terms of atmosphere so I am encouraged by this first dynamite of the year love the new look and here's hoping that the booking is stabilized and we're going to be back in building for matches months in advance to make sure the payoff is sweet at the end of the day. And that was a core issue towards the midpoint of 2022 for AEW injuries. Definitely curtail things, but we all know about the beef at All Out, the brawl that changed everything. And that was a gut check for AEW. And I hope that lessons were learned and that this year starts fresh with a clear vision of what AEW is going to be as we are in year four of this promotion that's changed the game in the best possible way. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 94 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily, including Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT, followed by Battle of the Belts 5 on the same dial this Friday. Friday night. And of course, the Spina session is dropping every Monday morning for all of my GH lovers out there. You know what to do. Search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitch Radio, TuneUp as Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning with episode number 62 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Rager. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.